Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, everybody, it's Famous Dead People in podcast form, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. You're about to hear the episode where I interview 20th century American film director Wes Craven and romantic poet Lord Byron. Fascinating chat. Uh, don't forget, you can always check out the freshest eps every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a comment. Email us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And, of course, you can check out all my stuff at jarrettberenstein.com. Uh, that's all the latest projects and uh, live show dates. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Lord Byron and director Wes Craven from Nightmare on Elm Street, only on Famous Dead People. Famous dead people. It's time. Famous dead people. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. People you know. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous stories stuck in the heads. You're gonna hear awful from even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th century American film director known for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and other horror classics, Wes Craven. Hello, it's wonderful to be on the show. And leading figure in the romantic movement, nobleman and poet, Lord Byron. Hello, it's great to be here. Uh, Lord Byron, Mr. Craven, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. I'm actually excited to be here with Lord Byron. It's I've, my pleasure. I've studied a lot of your poems and your work. And oh, did you? Absolutely. Ah. You well, know. I know that you did have this, um, had a had a career in academia, but did That's any of correct. that involve the romantic poetry of Lord Byron? Of course it did. Oh, Lord wow. Byron, uh, as you well know, Lord Byron was married to uh, Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Yes, my lovely I'm sorry, Mary you were Shelley. married to Mary Shelley. I didn't, uh, I saw that on the Wikipedia that you knew each other, but I thought she, she was married to somebody else. You're saying that you were married to Mary Shelley? Oh, yes. I could be wrong about that, but you were, right? <laughs> yes, were. I was married oh, to wow. Mary Oh, wow. Yeah, we're getting, the, uh, we're getting the straight dope here on Famous Dead People today. Um, we'll get to that later on in the interview. I wanted to ask you about that because that's later on in your yeah, life. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump the gun. No, of mm. course. You know, we, uh, we're very freewheeling here on Famous Dead People. We just go where the, uh, uh, where, the, where the wind takes us. Yeah, that's why I wanted to be on the show. It reminds me of my time in New York in the late 60s when I was reinventing myself. Oh, interesting. Oh, when you were transitioning from academia to becoming a film person. When society was transitioning into mm. being what it is. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear all about that. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying that, so you did study Lord Byron's poetry when you were in academia. Is yes, that right? that's correct. Wow. That's I actually amazing. Talk- I love my poems. <laughs> You big fan of your own poetry, Lord Byron. I am not a fan. I love them. You love I them. I love them and that's I keep good. them close to my heart that's, at all times. That's good. You should love your work. Yes. You know, you should you should be able to uh to embrace your own work, you know, yes, and be proud I of it. So I identify with my poetry and I think it's beautiful and I think it holds up. And I love it so much that my walls of my home are decorated with uh, my all of my poetry, I lo- I keep them in I keep them in tiny boxes around my house, and I take I take apart these boxes and I open it and I read from my own poems, and I it's a lovely way to live. But oh, Lord wow. Lord Byron, I have a question for you. Yes, do you dream of your poetry? I do dream of my poetry on the nights when I'm not dreaming of my lovely ex former <laughs> wife Mary, Mary Shelley. Shelley. Yes, beautiful, is, talented apparently woman. She was a dish. Unbelievable. She I, was a dish indeed. And can I say, just I'm I'm very happy that you have this positive attitude towards your work. Yes, uh, Lord Byron. Do you have the same positive attitude towards your work, uh, Wes Craven? I know because you were such a prolific filmmaker. Well, you know, yeah. it's it's actually very interesting because you know I I was for a very long time struggling to get into the business. Mm-hmm. And then I made my first film, Last House on the Left. Yes. And uh, that was a rather brutal film. In yes. fact, it's considered one of the most brutal films of all time. Still? The brutality, even even today? Absolutely. Whoa. The brutality on the screen was brutal. And all the characters were brutalized. Mm-hmm. The only way to describe it is as brutal. Okay. And uh, then after that, I wrote many, many other films that I wanted to pitch. However... Nobody was biting. Because you had made this extremely brutal brutal film. film. Yes, I made a film called Rainbows, or I wrote a film treatment called Rainbows, Puppies, and Kittens. Rainbows, Puppies, and Kittens. Which was supposed to be about 
two puppies and two kittens becoming best friends and sliding down a rainbow. But, I love that. <laughs> I think that sounds delightful. Thank it you, really Lord sounds Byron. like it would have been a great movie. I think it would have been a wonderful film. Wow. Then I wrote a treatment for a modern uh, adult version of Green Eggs and Ham. Ooh. That was called Sam, I Won't. Sam, I won't. Yes. Okay. And, you know, I w- wrote it and no one would go for that. Be- because obviously you had this reputation for this brutal film. That's right. So then I ended up making, you know, my career in horror. Okay. Because well, that's this is what actually I what, I, what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. So you are this icon of horror and slasher films. That's right. I'm considered a master of yes. horror. Um, yes. I'm up there with, I you know, love being titillated and scared. <laughs> Yes, I love the feeling of having the hairs on my neck stand up straight. Well, then, and you're... when I'm alone in bed and I hear a creepy crack out in my hallway, and I get so scared, and I run and I turn all the lights on, and I say, "Ooh, ooh, please don't harm me!" I love that feeling because well, the feeling of relief that comes after it. That's is so right. What I well, what then I you're gonna love is, the work of Wes Craven. Yeah, I, I think I will. Yes, it's it's what that's what I'm trying to do is remove the horror from your life by letting you experience horror in a cinematic way. Like inoculating it like yes. a, like a, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, um, like, like, a, like a needle vaccine, of horror, if you will. Right. A horror needle. Yes. So mm. if I'm walking down a scary alleyway yes. and I hear a crash behind me, yes. if I have seen your movies, I will not feel the creepy crangles of the, of my spine going That's up. That's right. The creepy crangles will be eliminated. Well, I don't like that and I don't want that because I love the feeling of being terrified. Lord oh. Byron, I, and I skip, I skip away as quickly as I can and I go into the nearest <laughs> shelter and I ask the barkeep to serve me a drink because, and, and then I can regale him with my scary story. Well, mm. Lord Byron, then what you should do is skip mm. right into a cinema <laughs> and then you can feel those feelings whenever you wish when mm. you're watching one of my films or one mm-hmm. of the other films from one of the masters of horror. I wouldn't worry about being inoculated against horror. It seems like you really enjoy just all the sensations of your life. I don't think anything's going to take yes. that away from you. It's true. And and I think that's wonderful. You're the sort of audience member that I've been making money off of for my entire career. There is nary a sensation that I do not enjoy. <laughs> and I, relish it. A heartache, a, a physical pain, um, I, extreme exhaustion. <laughs> Extreme exhaustion. <laughs> All the feelings. Every feeling I, I savor and I love. You mm. just feel and feel and feel. That's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we were uh, uh, talking about this on another episode of the show mm. um, where, you know, it's just important to be in the moment. Yes. You know, and just like live, live your truth in that moment. And it really seems like you're doing that, Lord Byron. I have no other way to live. <laughs> yes. I uh, every every moment is a new explosion of feeling for me. And I and I if I'm not writing about it, I'm just living it and dancing my way through this life. And it is it feels amazing. That's that's great. It's a great philosophy to have. Sorry, Lord uh, Wes Craven. No, no, no. I was just going to say that it seems like you're experiencing everything with a childlike wonder. Yes, but I was a particularly melancholy child, so I'm very happy to be in my adulthood enjoying the life because I feel like what I missed out on as a child was is now being paid back in a thousandfold mm. in my in my senescence. I, well, let's, let's I, not, I could not agree jump more. too far ahead in the story. Yes. Oh, uh, because I wanted to apologies. ask you, uh, Mr. Craven. Yes. It really seems like your career, you were telling us about The Last House on the Left. Yes. It really seems film. like your Did career. Did I mention that it was it, brutal? It's a brutal film. Mm-hmm. It really feels like your career, you kind of backslid into being this horror person. I did. Is that a fair to say, thing, thing to say? Or would you say that you did even on an unconscious level want to be the kind of person that made these brutal Mm. and horrible, horrific films? Well, you know, I didn't see my first film until my senior year of college. You didn't see any movies? No, because I was raised a strict Baptist. Yes, that's right. And so, (laughs) yes, which in itself certainly led to a lot of repression of feelings. And the first film that I saw was To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. And Gregory Peck. Yes, Gregory Great Peck as, as Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my my parents, they fought. They fought and fought and fought and fought. Oh, no. All the time. Oh, no. Yes, it was just a bunch of fighting. It's terrible. I'm so sorry. No, it's quite all right because, you see, what I learned to do was to see their their fights and distance myself from them so that it was like I was watching a movie of their fights, mm. uh, a film of their fights. So 
Atticus Finch was such a warm and caring father figure that I decided mm. that I wanted to, you know, create warm and caring father figures for my audience through filmmaking. And that's why I created Freddy Krueger. Interesting. Because oh. mm -hmm. I would argue that Freddy Krueger is not a warm and caring figure. Well, that's figure. what I tried to come up <laughs> with, but it's not what do. ended up happening with okay. Freddy. Well, yeah. let's, let's talk Freddy about Freddy. Freddy took on a life of his own. Of course. Mm -hmm. of course. Also, he also has a hand of blades. <laughs> he does. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's my favorite thing about Mr. Kruger. You mm -hmm. know, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, it's something that happens later in your life. Um, so did. let's so let's put a pin in that. Okay, my apologies. I skipped Lord. ahead to so Freddy. many pins. Pin, 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 pin. pin. <laughs> yes. you love pins, sir. You know, like, you don't have Clive Barker on your show. Hey, I like, talk about Pinhead. Oh, we could, we could talk. I about I didn't pinhead. create Pinhead. I created mm, Freddy. Freddy Krueger. That's correct. Mm. And the Scream series as well. Absolutely, I directed those. Yes, mm. I think Freddy Krueger would win in a fight between him and Pinhead because well, of his claws. <laughs> I could not agree more. Pinhead just has pins stuck into his head. Freddy Krueger has a weapon on. Yeah, his Pinhead, hand. his weapon weapon of pins in his face seems more like a liability because yes. that hurts your face yes. to already were, have the pins in there. Unless yes. he were able to wield his head in a way that were, would smash into other objects. And but even if so, that would just force the, the pins further into his own face. Yes, mm. this is true. You yeah. know, in uh, some of the very sophomoric sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street that I was not involved in. Freddy stabs himself with his own glove. I would never have had that happen. Of my... uh, by his own petard. <laughs> no, but I'd, I'd never have that happen. It's, it's ridiculous. Freddy wields the glove like it is an extension of his body, and he would never mm -hmm. stab his own self with it. No, so man that, with claws. That was one of the films that you were not involved with. But again... Again, this is something that happens later in your life. I know. It's all I want to talk about is Freddie. It's all I'm asked about in most let's, interviews. Let's, but let's, there's so many other interesting things about me. Of course. Me. And we'll get to all of those, uh, Mr. Craven. So want to talk about, I could talk about my childhood in Cleveland for the next 40 minutes. Well, His let's, burned you know. face <laughs> this reviles the children as he enters with his claws. Lord Byron. I love Freddy Krueger. Let's You talk. know, I've always wanted to hear a Byron-esque poem about <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Do you, you don't thrilled. happen to have a Byron-esque poem about Freddy Krueger? I, I feel one composed. coming. I feel one coming feel on. He just composed His one. burned face reviles the children as he emerges from their dreams. Ooh, Mr. <laughs> Freddy <laughs> screams the teen. What does this entrance mean? It's creepy crangle, creepy crangle. Freddy's claws on the wall. I'm here. To murder you, one and all. Wow, that is unbelievable. I'm, Thank I'm you. crying. A, a fresh Lord Byron poem. It has been years it's since some, anybody's heard. Uh, it's something I've always wanted. <laughs> Lord uh, Byron, uh, incredible. I, oh, that felt good. Listen, that was so special. Thank you. Um, now, now do one for Vampire no, in Brooklyn. No, 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 no. no. Right. Listen, I, there's, we, we can hear Lord Byron uh, improvise poetry all day. I could do it. I, I want one for Shocker. So many questions that I have to ask you about your life. Yeah. Uh, so, Lord Byron, you are as well known for your poetry as you were for your flamboyant and mm. notorious life of aristocratic excess. Yes. You amounted huge debts. You had yes. You had dozens of love affairs with both men and women. Absolutely. And it seems as though th these are traits that you may have inherited uh, from your father, Mad Jack Byron. Yes. Uh, who had very similar characteristics, but died when you were only three years old. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, did you ever get a chance to hear about your father's escapades and how similar they were to your own vices? I would only hear of my father's escapades from my father's ghost in my bedroom at night. So Beautiful. your father's ghost would visit you? He haunted me and told me, told me a tale of his sexcapades and I wanted nothing more as a, the melancholic child I was to grow up and to experience the, the, the lavish lifestyle of mad. Jack Byron. Wow. Did this did the experience of seeing your father's ghost give you chills and, and thrills and the, the hair sticking up on the back of your neck? It did. It but I I was not at the point in my life where I could yet enjoy it. It was oh. very scary as a little boy. But not the good your, kind of scary. No, not the good kind of scary yet. But <laughs> I was a little boy and this ghost would be in my bedroom and all of my nannies. They'd be in their bedrooms and I would run. I'd scream. I'd say, Nanny, Nanny, Nanny Anna, 
Nanny Paula, Nanny uh, Rachel, there's a ghost in my room. And they say, little boy, little boy, there is no ghost in your room. And they would not heed my words. So I would be back in my bedroom listening to Mad Jack tell me about how he contracted syphilis <laughs> off of the Bahamian coast. And I, even as a child, I said, this is not appropriate to, to discuss with me, father. And he said, I, I am your father and I will tell you exactly how I live my life. And I would was not happy about it then, but I was happy about it come my teenage years. Because then was, you knew who your father was. I knew who my father was. Yeah. Adults not listening to children is a running theme in most of my That's films. Right. That's right. That's a powerful theme. I did it's read that. Powerful. It's brutal. Amazing. It's, it's a brutal. brutal. It's a brutal theme. If you're just joining us on Famous Dead People, this is uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are 19th century British poet and nobleman Lord Byron. Hello. And 20th century American horror director Wes Craven. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, so, yeah. So your father would show up as a ghost when you were a young man and basically yes. just tell you about all the chicks that he banged exactly. when he was alive chicks animals men <laughs> oh my god anything he anything he set his eyes on he was a mad jack <laughs> and they he was christened that by the anglican church himself uh, anglican church the the leader himself uh, who was a a baron um named uh Re reginald jackmus um mm. who christened him mad jack and he was the only man in all of christendom who is able to live a life in sin and still get into the realm of heaven oh, according to this according to this baron because hmm. they said if you can't if you can't beat him let him do what he wants <laughs> they did not join him it's and they beautiful. said if they cannot beat him then we need to let him do what he wants because there was no changing mad jack surrender yeah. Even yeah. if they locked him up, he would make a he would make a madcap party of the prisons mm -hmm. and just make love to whatever was in the prison cell with exactly. him. Exactly, it would I turn see. into the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I would it love were. to write a treatment and then make a film about your father's life, but because it isn't horrific enough, it probably would not be greenlit by a certain studio. Yeah, you would oh, have the to... horrors were uncountable. It's having sex amongst dead bodies, like you wouldn't believe. Hmm. It's wherever he found himself. Yeah. It was, if, it, if, it was, if he was at a funeral, you did not want to invite Mad Jack to your funeral because he was going to have to, he was going to try to uh, copulate with the body. Oh my God. Uh, because he's, he did the maddest thing at every opportunity. How long, so how long did your father's ghost show up in your bedroom and tell you his tales of sexual exploits? He did that from my age of Four to uh, seventeen. The seventeen. So you were a teenager. You're having your own sexual escapades, exactly. and your dad's ghost is there. Yes, he Did was you... my he was my closest friend in that time. So you enjoyed that time when you were like yes. able to able to sort of like uh, your version of throwing the baseball back and forth with dad, was trading just... amazing sexual <laughs> sexual adventures with my father, and showing him the poems I had written about the the bosoms or the or the testicles that I had seen the other day. And he would and he was jealous. He was horribly jealous of my corporeal. Because you were still able to do these yes. things. Uh, but, that uh, is both yes. beautiful and horrifying. Yes. Yes. Um let's go back to uh Wes Craven for just a moment. Mm. Uh so you started out your career in academia as we discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh you got your master's degree in philosophy, mm -hmm. you taught the humanities. Mm -hmm. Uh do you would you say that you brought anything from your philosophy and from your teaching careers into the films that you made? I absolutely would say that I brought all of it into the films. Can, that can, I let, made. Let's talk about yes. it. Like let's talk about the films, let's talk about what philosophies or what uh uh, humanities teachings were sort of like loosely connected or or blatantly connected to the various characters and stories that you made. Well, you know, there's a lot of nihilism in my films. Okay. Even if you live a very, very safe life, mm -hmm. when you go to bed at night, you can't help but dream of a man with claws who will, who will mm, kill you will murder in your you. dream. That's mm, right. Yeah, wow. A red-faced, mm -hmm. Bernard-faced man and with, there's, a, there's... with a Federer <laughs> yes. cap. That is the correct pronunciation. Is Federer. Federer. Yes. There's also, you know, a lot of nihilism in my Meryl Streep film, Music of the Heart. Oh, a lot of nihilism in that one. I yes. love that title. <laughs> that basically, you know, if What's you that? are a child in the Bronx and you come from a lower class upbringing, you can try to make yourself safe, but Meryl Streep will come and will try to teach you how to play the violin. <laughs> 
That doesn't sound that terrible, though. Well, you it should watch magical. the film. I have not seen Music of the Heart, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's my. It was my film that I finally got to make that was a non-horror film. Oh, but if wow. you watch it, it is a horror film. Oh, so the, you were subtly making it into the brutal films that you were 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 making otherwise. Absolutely, but I was, it was I was, it was trying trying to make it into a franchise. Background. Oh, I uh, see. Meryl Streep was going to be the villain in the franchise. I was trying to make Music of the Heart too, Meryl's Revenge, but Ooh. it never got off the ground. And then I had an idea for Music of the Heart three, mm. the Meryl Warriors, but yeah. it never got off the ground. Or Music of the Heart four. The Merrill Children or <laughs> Music of the Heart Five. Merrill's New <laughs> Strings. Or Merrill's Dead, the or, final uh, music. Or uh, Merrill versus Jason. Oh, uh, I would have loved that. You know, that would have harkened back to the older films. You know, I, I loved Freddy versus Jason. I was. I love Freddy vs. Jason too. Yeah, it was a wonderful was a film. One. It was it was really out of all the ones that weren't made by me, it's probably the best one. May I ask who wins in Freddy vs. Jason? No you know, one it's, wins. It's unclear. No it's one really wins. unclear. You know why? Classic. You know why? Because nihilism. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. because uh, nothing really matters. It is a, That's right. It's a game of zero sum. That's correct. <laughs> in the Freddy vs. Jason. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, let's move back over to uh, Lord Byron for just a moment. Hello. Uh, so your mother was a woman named Catherine Gordon. She yes. raised you after your father passed away. Oh, wonderful. And uh, according to the Wikipedia, you two did not get along. Yes. Uh, you, were <laughs> you were disgusted. According to the Wikipedia, you were disgusted by her drinking. I was disgusted And by you her often mocked her for being short and fat. This is true. Okay. Now, she was a wonderfully plump woman who I ridiculed senselessly. What were some of the things that you would say to your mother uh, to mock her height and weight? I would say, oh, I did not realize it was the Hollow's Eve uh, already because the pumpkins are nice and plump and ready. And then I'd look over and I would say that to the room and people would give me confused, <laughs> confused stares. And I would look over and I'd say... Oh, it's just you, mother. And That's they beautiful. would laugh and they would laugh and That's mean, they would sad and, and they beautiful. would cheer and they would lift me up and they'd say you are you are a delight to have and she would cry. And I and I do feel remorse over how I treated her. Because, oh yeah, because she was drunk. Now, because she was drunk. So that was the only thing that your mother did that inspired this kind of rage in you, which is being a drunk. She, or was there other incidences that that made you want to lash out like this? She was a drunk, and she would uh, she would make those smacking sounds with her lips as she ate. It was awfully so. Disgusting. Like when someone's like exactly like that exactly and i like freddy's claws across a chalkboard (laughs) yes and i didn't and i would say i would say to the room i'd say oh i didn't know saint crispin's day feast was at was at our door and they would stare confused and i'd say oh it's just mother a little pig feeding at the trough and they would and they would laugh and it (laughs) and they would laugh because all of the pigs eat at the trough before saint crispin's eve now i did they're they're fresh for the slaughter (laughs) of course i did read on the wikipedia that Yes. Um. She actually would try to 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 catch you mm-hmm. and would try to punish you, but you yes, could I, always outrun her because was she was short and fat. Too sneaky. Oh, and you were sneaky as well. Yes. Okay. I would love to make a film where you are <laughs> running from your mother and she's getting closer and closer and closer. And no matter how fast you run, it always seems like your mother's catching up. Yes. However, even in though this in case in reality, in reality, she would just get further and further away. I would get- use my long legs and skip away happily when she and she would her best her best uh, opportunity was probably rolling onto her side and finding a large hill to chase me down Mm. she would pick up momentum i tell you this did she ever do that did she ever try to try to to chase you down a hill at one point we were on we were in the alps at a certain juncture Mm -hmm. and uh, i left her on a train because i thought it would be a funny prank so i exited the train and i let her go off into the uh uh, whatever the Sudetenland or whatever it was at that point, and um, when she discovered that I wasn't on the 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 train anymore, she chased me through the Alps, and at the closest she ever got was on a on a vast hillside, where she tripped and uh, was uh, rolling down this frozen uh, frozen mountain. Did she turn into a snowball like in a Looney Tune? A little bit. She was covered in frost. <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, <laughs> she she very nearly uh, whacked me on her way down, but she just. She went right by and she went into the ravine down below and we had to fish her out. It took 
several hours. It must have been difficult because of how fat she was. It was, and I and I laid into her the entire time. <laughs> I said, "Oh, we must save this whale. Oh, oh, gentlemen, how did this whale get all the way up here into the Alps?" And they would laugh and laugh, and because everyone knew, everyone could see. There's nothing. There's no hiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a whale. It was I feel just a woman. Just, terrible. I, it was a different part of my life. What a what a monstrous you know, facade. Growing up, struck. it's difficult for everybody, yes. and so you know we lash out in different ways, especially the people that take care of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we take a break, let's go back over to West Craven for a moment. Sure. Uh, so you eventually leave academia and you begin making pornography. Yes, I've been I've been leaving academia now for most of this interview, <laughs> haven't I, Sorry. Jared? Yes. Well, we just keep on referring to the period of time that you were in academia, and yes. then after. You leave academia. I love the academy. Directly after you stop teaching, you leave to go make pornography. That's correct. And according to Wikimedia, you make, quote, many hardcore. X-rated films. That is correct. But you made them under pseudonyms of course. so that you could have a career in legitimate film mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of the pseudonyms that you mm-hmm. that you used while you were making pornography? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cress Raven. Cress Raven. Mm-hmm. A little on the nose, but mm-hmm. all right. What else? Uh Craven West. <laughs> Craven West. Mm-hmm. Seems like, all right, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. Variations on a theme. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I understand that... Uh, West say Craven Day. <laughs> okay. I understand that porn is uh, relatively quick to make. Uh, do you remember how many X-rated films you made during this period in your life? I made thousands. Thousands mm-hmm. of pornographies. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the impetus for joining the world of pornography? Was it to learn the skills of filmmaking to earn a quick buck? Or did you actually have a passion for telling those pornographic stories? All of those things. All of them. Absolutely. I see. I mean, who doesn't enjoy watching someone copulate? I mean, a lot of people enjoy pornography. It's extremely popular. Yes, yes. it's actually the most popular <laughs> filmic medium that exists today. I'm sure that's true. But it that used to be a theatrical medium. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Absolutely. Did you have theatrical pornography back in your day, Lord Byron? Oh, absolutely. All right. They were called the Theater of Perverts, and we would mm-hmm. gather around, and there would be a house of around 300, and we would watch as the, a good rogering was had on stage <laughs> in several acts. Mm-hmm. And no, please keep going, keep going. And um, the sets were always minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, the vague storylines that didn't really add up. Perhaps a, a man delivering flowers, mm. uh, and uh, it was revealed that the, the flowers actually had his his erect member within them as one of the blossoms. Um, I see. It's always a very a very fun moment for the whole crowd. We always <laughs> cheer and laugh when we revealed, now, was the, revealed the member. Yeah, there's there's sort of like a um there's a stigma around pornography still. Mm. You know, you're made fun of for watching pornography, for buying pornography. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, would people be ashamed to go to these pornographic live theater events? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you go to the opera to be seen, but you wear a mask to the pervert theater <laughs> because you do not want to be seen. Of yes. course, everyone knows. It's just one of those things that's understood. Everyone knew who I was because my mask said Lord Byron. <laughs> you wrote your name on it? Yes. It didn't seem like you were somebody who uh, felt a lot of shame in your life. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I cut shame out with uh, when my testicles descended to the proper to a man's <laughs> to a man height. distance. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Pornography is a tale as old as time. Mm. Song it's, as old as rhyme. It's mm. the er myth that we all <laughs> The the Ur- we myth? all follow exactly mm. the, the, Ur- the Uber myth. The oh, Uber myth yes, I see. Is a delivery where there is an erection hidden inside <laughs> the delivery. <laughs> I see, yes, the I didn't know that that was the. It is myth. always. It was always so fun wondering when the member would pop out. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be it in the the box? It, it could be. There were lengths uh, upwards of a, a foot. The member could be as far as a foot away from the man. So. Um, oh wow! I never knew what object if he was holding several several boxes mm-hmm. in front of him. Which one of the boxes? Which one, Which of, the one box? of the boxes? <laughs> the boxes it's very it. fun. You know, I really am enjoying being interviewed by you. Mm-hmm. I mean, or being interviewed with you. Yeah, I feel like we're kindred spirits. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm always happy when my guests uh, uh, end up getting along. Unfortunately, we have to take a short break, uh, but oh. we will be right back with Wes Craven and Lord Byron on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. 
Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio for Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are leading figure in the romantic movement, British nobleman and poet Lord Byron. Good to be here. And 20th century American film director behind the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and other horror classics, Wes Craven. I prefer to be referred to as a master of horror. Thank you. A master of horror. Mm -hmm. One of many. Ooh, we're choosing uh, names life. now. One of life. Uh, may I be referred to as a master of feelings? A master of feelings, Lord Byron. It's beautiful. And Ooh, master- uh, king of the winds. King of the winds? Yes. Please. All the winds. Yes. Lord Byron, king of all the winds, master of feelings, and of course, a master of horror, Wes Craven. I, I'd like you to refer to me as director of music of the heart. <laughs> director of... <laughs> Director of Music of the Heart. Yes. His most famous franchise. Yes. Uh, Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go back to Lord Byron for a moment. Sure. So your first book of poetry received some savage, mm-hmm. anonymous criticism in the Edinburgh Review. Yes. So you retaliate by writing a satire called English Bards and Scotch Reviewers, mm. which so upset the critics that many of them challenged you to a duel. Oh. Is that right? This is correct. Wow. Now, the Wikipedia doesn't mention it, but did you actually fight any of these duels? I these did. I have much blood on my hands. Oh, wow. When, when, this, when, it, when you are challenged to a duel as a gentleman, mm-hmm. it behooves you to participate. Mm-hmm. So I was a crack shot, and I... Uh, I got many of these men right in their lapels, um, and we did not have bulletproof technology. Or of course, like not These were not then. gentlemen's duels where we fired above the head or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was a crack shot. I pulled. I shot them one by one, and if they had they not challenged me, they'd be they would have lived. They so, would. They they'd be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just that's their that's their uh, wrong there. Yes. Um. Now I read that. So you published this anonymously. Yes. Um. Uh. But but you sort of like leak that you're the one who wrote this uh, satire. Well, my distinctive style was too it's easy obvious. to finger, as yeah. it were. Mm. Um. When I when I it's like I Tarantino, also have, you know, reference my own name several times throughout the text. So if the style didn't, uh, I I refer to myself, I Lord Byron, um, which. <laughs> <laughs> was it was an oversight that my editor uh, pointed out to me, and I said, "Well, I, it's what I've writ, mm. so uh, print it or get out of my abode." Ooh. Um, and he did not want to leave because we were serving finger sandwiches. <laughs> that sounds See? delicious. Yeah. Were, they, uh, were oh, there real fingers were. inside the sandwiches? Wes, <laughs> you are so delightfully I be- droll. I believe Thank you. Not. I believe you know that they weren't Wes Craven. Come on. Oh, it's just a dream I had once mm-hmm. where I was eating finger sandwiches and now, they were real fingers. I just can't believe that Yay. the satire that you wrote about these critics was so harsh or so pointed that they would feel the need to want to avenge themselves. Yes, it was brutal prose that I wrote. Um about uh, murdering close family members of theirs. Really? And, yes, absolutely. Just was, because they gave you a bad review for your book of poetry? Well, it was, yes, yes, absolutely. It was because I, my poetry is, as you know, something that I hold very close to my own of heart. Of course. And when you have someone attack your poetry, I would rather they beat my own body with sticks. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather that they, they took a number of cricket paddles and... and had their way with my arms and legs <laughs> rather than go towards my poetry with their disgusting, yes. awful opinion. Protect your poetry. That's your baby right there. So when I wrote that response, it was a 
a very thinly veiled threat at their fa- the safety of their families. Mm, um, so they had to protect their families absolutely. and then challenge you to a duel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that is their undoing because I killed them <laughs> and several of their family members. <laughs> you made good on the promise. I did. Now, you eventually become so popular, and correct me if I'm wrong, no. that uh, people eventually seek out being lampooned by you because then it becomes an honor to be mm. lampooned by you because yes. you're so you're such a great writer yes. and, you know um so so were people intentionally doing things to make you mad so that you would strike up the pen against them well after a while i caught on uh to this whole trend and and then it became kind of a fun game like uh oh i i don't like lord byron when i know that they they do they respect <laughs> me they love me and mm-hmm. so then then my responses would be would be graphic and sexual and I would I would tell I would regale them about how I was going to punish them and it was always had a fun sexual twist to it where I'd <laughs> I'd tie them up and have my way with their bodies and um it was all it was all thinly veiled by my my prose of um, course of course there, there was a lot of innuendos being used um so once that caught on I essentially wrote a very graphic uh romance fiction about all of my critics by the end of the century mm, interesting and then did you punish them in IRL in real life. Oh, in reality, yeah, uh, several of them I did, but they, we also mixed in the same parties. Mm-hmm. So it sounds was, like maybe it was consensual. It absolutely was consensual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's you know fine. what happens between adults is completely like consen- consenting adults is completely acceptable. It's acceptable and it's beautiful. I agree. <laughs> and it was raucous and it was lovely. Raucous. And, and it, it, oh it could have inspired a, a number of theatrical perversions. Mm, wow. Mm. I, I, I'd really like to uh, to read some of this material. I hope it survived. I know that uh, a lot of your material was burned in sort of like fits of passion, but we'll, we'll get to that in just yes. a moment. Burned like the face of Freddy like Krueger. Freddy Krueger, for example. Burned man. A burned man. Scratch, scratch. On the wall. <laughs> it's another short poem. That was beautiful. Uh, Thank you. So, um, in 1972, we already talked about it a little bit. You released your first feature film, The Last House on the Left. Yes, a brutal, brutal film mm-hmm. that we've already discussed at length. Mm-hmm. Uh, two 17-year-old girls. They go to a rock concert. They mm-hmm. get abducted, raped, stabbed, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that you sort of like made this movie so brutal because you didn't think that lots of people were going to see it. That's correct. So then, what was the impetus then in making like a really brutal, violent film if you didn't think it was going to be like a popular thing. Well, you know how uh, Bo Burnham just made videos for his brother. Mm -hmm. I was just making this film for my wife and children. You you made one of the most brutal films of all time, The Last House on the Left, where two 17-year-old girls get stabbed, raped, murdered for your children and for your wife. Well, remember that I saw my first film at Seven, seventeen years old. Yes, was it? seventeen years old. I think so. and, and then after that, I <laughs> and then after that, I went directly into making porn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after that, I made Last House on the Left. Mm-hmm. So basically, I didn't really have an understanding as to what was appropriate <laughs> for certain audiences at the time. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You really. It was a learning experience. Trial by fire. Figuring yeah. out that oh, this isn't acceptable for you know, wide audiences well, or even my family. You know, Jared, it was a happy accident because then my children who saw it, who were very young at the time, proceeded to have nightmares, which oh. fueled the rest of my career. Oh my God. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's the inspiration wherein we get your most famous character, Freddy Krueger. Well, you all of my inseminated films... your children's minds with the, with the scary ideas that then yielded your later film. That's correct. And, you know, Freddy really at the end of the day is the great inseminator. <laughs> Great inseminator. That's correct. Mm. Would you argue that his glove represents mm-hmm. maybe five sharp metal penises by which to inseminate his victims? Sure. Okay. <laughs> the claw. The claw. That's a valid interpretation. It is a, it is a phallic. The claw. Mm. The, 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 a, a sing. A five. <laughs> Five penis claw <laughs> and the face, the burned face, the burned face, testicles. Oh yeah, it does kind of resemble mm-hmm. testicle skin, the burned face. Mm-hmm. Wow, testicles that's... with two eyes, deep balls. <laughs> that is, that's a nightmare by itself. You could make a, a, an entirely new horror franchise based on the testicle that had eyes, a mouth, and teeth. Yeah, yeah. Wes Craven's new phallus. <laughs> phallus. Mm-hmm. That could be really good. Wes I... Craven's new fallacy. Ooh, I'm cooking it up in my ooh, head as we it. go along. Yeah, I mean, now that you're Do you back, want to write it, Lord Byron? Oh, the two you could work on together. I would love to 
collaborate on such a film. Wonderful. A disgusting scrotum <laughs> with a face. Yes. Oh, the songs he would sing. Uh, so Lord it Byron. Be a musical. Lord Byron. So in 1809, you travel to the Mediterranean in order to escape debts that you owed and also to get away from a woman named Mary Chaworth. Ugh. Uh, one of your earlier romances. Uh, and I'm wondering what happened between the two of you that you felt like you needed to like escape from her, like to like to run away from her. Mary Chaworth. She wanted a monopoly on my member. Oh, she, she wanted was, to be monogamous. She wanted the monogamy, mm. and which was slightly complicated because in a drunken daze, she manipulated me into marrying her one night. Oh, interesting. So she had the legal right to my member. But I wanted to escape to the Mediterranean, where all the the tan, bronzed women and men dance at, in the nights. I see. Also, I was horribly in debt. Yes, you had to escape all that because you spent your money like crazy, just like your father did. Absolutely. Um, and so Mary was a little clingy, so you wanted to get away from that. Sure. Gotcha. Um, now, I read that one of the things that you were excited about for this journey was to have your first homosexual experience. Yes. That's what it says on Wikipedia. Yes. Uh, so up until this Wait, point, uh, I just I want to clarify. Yes. You went all the way to the Mediterranean <laughs> to have your first homosexual. Well, this was going to be one of my questions. Was oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so you, I'm you, sorry that I chimed in. That's all right. You no, this is a famous misunderstanding. I encourage it. Yes, please go ahead, Mr. This Byron. is a this is a semantics thing where the British gentlemen were never we would never call ourselves homosexuals or engage in homosexual acts. It was dangerous. It was illegal at the time. I didn't even think that's what I had been doing having sex with all those men for my my young adult life. Oh, so you had had homosexual experiences before oh, the trip to the Mediterranean. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, with uh, with a with a scarlet pimpernel and a and a hat on it. Uh, you can write home, we could write operas about the homosexual <laughs> experience I had had. And and I just I I was and I was very excited because I like I've been having sex with all of these gentlemen, but I'm so excited for my first homosexual experience. <laughs> Imagine my surprise when I get to get to Greece and ask for an, an excellent homosexual experience, and what I get is a good, just a well, a just very solid rogering. But what I've been enjoying with the life. British gentleman, exactly. It's like when you go to the cinema and you're interested in seeing Nightmare on Elm Street or Wes Craven's New Nightmare, mm -hmm. yes. or even perhaps the film that I wrote but didn't direct, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors, mm -hmm. and instead you get. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which I had nothing to do with. Can mm. I... Disappointing. I want a new nickname. I want Dream Warrior. Dream Warrior, Lord Byron. Well, yes. we can just tack it on to all of your other nicknames. Yes. We had Lord of the Winds. Yes. We had... Master um, of Feelings. Master of Feelings. And, and now, now Dream, Dream Warrior. Warrior. I love that. Lord Byron. I love it for you, Lord Byron. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that must have been really disappointing then that you travel all the way to Greece. Egg on my face, you know, I tell you. It's like, uh, you know, you... Uh, you, you go to Italy for your first bowl of pasta and someone puts it down in front of you and you're just like, oh, this is SpaghettiOs. I have had I've been this. having SpaghettiOs my entire I life. I have mm -hmm. had this inside of me before. <laughs> this is not, we are not reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. We are barely reinventing my... Uh, my... My rectum. <laughs> exactly. Let's see. Been there, done that. Still good, though. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is uh, Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn and my guest today our 20th century American horror director, a master of horror, Wes Craven, and 19th century British poet, nobleman, Lord of the Winds, master of feelings, dream warrior, yes. uh, Lord Byron. Hello. Um, so um, we sort of touched on this already a little bit, Wes Craven. Uh, if but we're going to talk about me leaving academia, no. not enough. <laughs> so after you leave academia... Uh, years. How many times did you years leave academia? I only left once. Just Jared <laughs> keeps to think it was many times. I don't think like that's I was fair. leaving every day. I was I don't think it's class fair. saying I'm leaving I to become a filmmaker. I did it once. I don't mm. think it's fair. It's a moment in your life that lots of things happened after. That, so, for yes, example, it happened early in my you know, life. You yes. could say Wes Craven. After did we even touch on what he did in academia? <laughs> I did. He taught the humanities. Oh, I taught okay. humanities. Philosophy. Okay. I taught English at one point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So That's after you leave academia, uh, you make uh, your first Nightmare on Elm Street film years years later. Yes. Years after. This is 1984. We've yeah. skipped a whole, but it's fine. Yeah. I, I made, you know, The Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes, of course. Yes. Which I read you, you sort of were inspired to just because somebody told you that it was really cheap to film 
in like the flats of the desert. Is and that right? it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that was a that was obviously a a boon to being able to short the kind of being able to shoot the kind of uh, low budget films that you wanted to shoot. Was it being cheap? Absolutely. Were there other uh, environments that you found were really inexpensive that you then started writing horror films for? Because you're like, oh, I got to capitalize on how inexpensive it is to film here. Yeah, it's been my entire career. Mm. Under the Stairs was a very cheap place to film. Just under That's the why stairs. I wrote The People Under the Stairs. Somebody said, we just shot this film. We saved so much money shooting under the stairs. That's right. Ah. We shot it under the stairs instead of above the stairs. Under the stairs. That's great. Okay, anything else? No one ever looks under the stairs. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, made a film called The Serpent and the Rainbow. Ooh, yes. And uh, I just used a lot of stock footage of rainbows and Mm. serpents. Okay. The whole film Mm. is just cut to a serpent, cut to a rainbow, cut to a serpent, cut to a rainbow. Now that has... For two hours, it's terrifying. Now that has uh, Keith Sutherland in it, I believe? That's correct. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I called him Keith. You called him Keith? Keith. Keith. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Kiefer. You know, if you're being formal, I guess Mm -hmm. you would use his entire name. Well, I meant Kiefer like the drink. Like kafir. Oh, is there a drink called kafir? I never heard of it. Kafir. Kafir. Have you Thank had you, Lord kafir, Byron. Lord Byron? Oh, I love ka- a good coffee, kafir. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a, very good it's for probiotics. It's an autumnal <laughs> drink that <laughs> I like to have with a glass of sherry. Oh, that sounds delightful. I tried to write a sequence in For the Death of Freddy Krueger in Nightmare 3, where mm-hmm. they throw kafir in his face and Ooh. say, have some probiotics, Freddy. <laughs> I, would, goes, I would eat it up and I would it would make me stronger. <laughs> yes, he goes, no, my digestion, but they, they oh. made me take it out yeah well now freddy krueger was known for you know he would he would do like a lot of these fun let's, uh, puns, let's really talk about him puns let's get into it yeah. you know he was mm-hmm. a funny uh mass murderer you know? well you know he was funny in the later films mm. but when i wrote him he was really quite silent and had key lines here and there mm. that were very scary yeah like in nightmare one he pulls his glove up to his face and says this is god Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. remember that in the first film. That is. That is in the first film. Now, knowing how funny he becomes, mm-hmm. do you wish it, that you could go back and rewrite those lines to be more classic, mm. Freddy, almost like, you know, Catskills comic? Very funny. You know, he puts his he puts the glove up in front of his face and he doesn't say, this is God. He says, maybe... Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, yes. uh, what has five fingers and is going to slice your face? Yeah, that's very this good. Guy. That's very I really funny. wish when I was writing that's Nightmare on the Street, I could have written you as a writer for alts, mm-hmm. alt lines for Freddy. I would. It, it's it is a it's been a dream of mine to write for Freddy Krueger. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a big fan of any. Um, or has it been a nightmare of yours to write for Freddy <laughs> it's Krueger? It's been a very pleasant nightmare. Oh, I love write... a good wordplay. Yeah, mm, that thank was you. Delectable. I love any like horror or uh, or gore uh, character mm-hmm. that is also funny, like the Crypt Keeper, for sure. example. Yes. Huge fan. Excellent and example. That, that's a pretty straight line. That's pretty A to C from Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger being funny to the Crypt Keeper being funny. I, I, I think. agree. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know. <sighs> My most famous films were comedies. Your most famous films were comedies. Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy, I which know everybody that Vampire remembers in Brooklyn. very fondly. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Oh, it's completely true. Everybody loved Vampire in Brooklyn. I don't I, think many people saw Vampire in Brooklyn. I don't know what you're talking Lord about. Lord Byron, do you know I about Vampire in Brooklyn? I have never seen Vampire in Brooklyn. But if I were to imagine it, it is a sex-filled <laughs> romp that is delightful. Because that's... why else would a vampire be in Brooklyn yes. except to enjoy the, 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 the sexual cornucopia that is available mm-hmm. in that borough? Absolutely. Eddie Murphy. Brooklyn is the sexiest borough. I quite agree. Eddie Murphy plays seven different characters in it. He does? All the characters he's trying to get his freak on. <laughs> Every one of his characters mm-hmm. is trying to get laid in Brooklyn. Every one of his characters. But then they they made me censor it. They made me change it. Oh, that was the original version. That was the original version. It was a sex romp. Mm. Yes. And Nightmare on Elm Street was originally a sex romp as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was uh, actually the original script treatment was called Freddy Krueger's Spring Break. <laughs> Freddy Krueger's Spring Break? And it was just Freddy trying to get laid, but his face was too burned, man. So I had to make it into a horror face. movie. I sh- I sure, terrified the children. Mm-hmm. I sure hope he had like a bunch of horny friends that were like trying to help him get laid. Yeah, that's why I cast Johnny Depp originally. Oh, um, I see. It was like from Justin to Kelly, but uh, <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it was actually called, you know, another treatment title was from Freddy to Krueger. 
Ooh, interesting. So, like, a gift to himself is he's going to get laid on spring break. Mm, beautiful. This sounds Jared. like an incredible film. I really wish we had yeah, seen it. I wish that you had written for it. Oh, God. It's, mm. It would have been my nightmare. And I say that it, that's the good thing. Thank that's, you. Thank <laughs> that's you. A compliment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to Lord Byron for just a moment. Yes. So, you moved to Italy yes. in 1816 after a number of scandals and yes. a divorce forced you to leave England. Yes. Uh, and there you become friends with the author Mary Shelley yes. uh, and her husband. And as we touched yes, upon earlier wife, in the in the uh, in the interview, yes. you're saying that the record is actually incorrect on this, that you Absolutely. married Mary Shelley. I married her in her basement. Wow. In, I'm sorry, in, in her basement. Secret. Okay. Oh, it was when a basement wedding. Idiot husband wasn't looking. I love those basement weddings. Disgusting. They're man. great. Ah, my lovely Mary. She she her feelings were so mixed about me because of my torrid past and my my escapades but i mary was her. more uh, conservative than exactly. you were exactly mm. she was a good person and i was a bad boy now so did she stay married to her husband mr shelley technically uh, okay coldly coldly okay. not in love with him but technically married and he would help her with her books Mm, yes, a lovely little monster monster stories that yes. I, that she would regale me with. She, of course, wrote Frankenstein, yes. which is mm-hmm. in the milieu of horror. Mm. Is uh, is this a book that you were familiar with, uh, Mr. Craven? Did of you course. ever use Frankenstein as an inspiration for any of your films? Frankenstein was the inspiration for my film Deadly Friend. Deadly Friend, which is about a killer robot. Ooh, mm-hmm. I don't think I know about this movie. It's about a toy oh, that adapts. Mm. It sounds very scary. It was a flop. I don't know why. Uh, mm. It almost sounds like Child's Play. Like Child's Play is a story about a toy that, uh, that you know, gets possessed with the spirit of a serial killer and starts murdering people. Well, mm. Chucky mm-hmm. was a doll. Yes. This was a tiny robot that okay. got smarter and smarter as it went along. So I don't really <laughs> see the connection or why you would bring up Child's Play in an interview with me, Wes Craven, a master of horror. Um, no, I'm just, I think that, uh, that it might be interesting to compare analogous horror films. This is what happened. All right. After Nightmare on Elm Street, everybody wanted a killer or something, right? Ooh, okay. So we had Jaws, a killer shark film. That mm-hmm. was after Nightmare on Elm Street, clearly. Yes. There was, you know, Child's Play, a killer doll, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 killer pinhead, killer mm-hmm. leather face, a man oh, with crash. a leather face is a killer. Crash Absolutely. about a killer car. That's right. Crash? Crash. Crash. Yep. Crash. Crash. Mm-hmm. Both versions of Crash. Well, there's a lot of different the, versions. There's, there's Crash, the, the movie about racism. Yes. yes. There's which Crash a killer car. with, I think, Eric Stoltz. Yes. About a, people who can't orgasm another, unless they crash. Uh, yes, which is another film by another <laughs> master of horror, David Lynch. David Lynch. Absolutely. Okay. And that was one that they were like, we need the new Freddy Krueger, David Lynch. What do you have? And he has... I'm going to make a film about people who can't orgasm unless, unless they're, they're crashing, crashing cars. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was directly inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't by my know work. that. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm more, the more, and more you, you talk about this, the more I'm seeing that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was sort of a foundation for everything scary that happens uh, mm. kind of before and after. Nightmare on Elm Street was a foundation for everything that has ever happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. Unrelated to film. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Freddy is the uber monster. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. And to think you had to leave academia to create it. Only once, though, Jared. I <laughs> only course, left only academia once. once it's amazing. It's amazing that we never see Freddy Krueger's penis. Do we ever see Freddy Krueger's penis? Well, the films have a R rating, so we do never see his genitalia. What about However, a bulge, maybe? Just like a bulge in the pants, perhaps? In the early treatments for the film, mm-hmm. I tried to give him uh, like David Bowie-esque in Labyrinth pants. Oh. You know, with like a big bulge. To show his sexual prowess. sexual prowess. Yes. <laughs> Freddy. But then Big New kid. Line Cinema, you mm-hmm. know, Robert Shea, he said, no, no, mm-hmm. Freddy must be chased. Mm-hmm. Ah, that is and I real said, shame. in order to get my film made, I will make Freddy chased. My apologies to Lord Byron. That, uh, apology accepted. They've, but yes. the opportunities have not been slim to he get is. a Freddy Krueger's penis in at least one shot of <laughs> a, a whole series. If you go on, why the not internet, a little uh, Jason just... walking in on him showering at one point during Freddy vs. and Jason. being like, mm-hmm. "Oh, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm, I didn't oh, know you were in here. A little moment for comedy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh there's your burned penis. As Jason doesn't talk, so he just kind of mimes it. Just... It's hilarious. Rrr, rrr, just a little moment like rrr, that. Rrr. I think that would really get people going. Could have lightened it up a little bit. Absolutely, Jason. I absolutely would have made them bunk mates and camp. Crystal Lake. 
sounds. That's funny right there. And maybe they could be trying to get laid the entire time. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back over to Lord Byron for just a moment. Yes. So after living in Italy for a little bit, yes. you are contacted by representatives for Greek independence from the Ottomans to join their fight. Yes. And even though you are a poet yes. with no military experience whatsoever, yes. you decide to go. Yes. Why would you do that? That seems like really dangerous. You have this great life of uh, sex. Yes. And um, well, and now I was with Mary, my dear Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. Yes. That's right. Who you were secretly married to. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I said, I have to go because it's an adventure and it will be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe in what these tiny Greek people are fighting for. Against, <laughs> these tiny Greek people? They're very small people, <laughs> small hairy folks, these Grecians. Mm. Um, and I, and I, I, I loved my time in Greece. And they, those, the Ottomans were, were, were horrible taskmasters. And they said, no, we own Greece. You're ours. And I just, it did not sit right. So I, I dressed up like a Greek Greek man and I, I, I donned a, a fake mustache and I crossed the border and I fought with my Greek brethren against these these nasty men, <laughs> these Ottomans. I see. Now, I read on the Wikipedia that you didn't actually do any fighting, but you're saying that you did. Absolutely. Do, so maybe we just don't have the record of it because you were in disguise. Exactly. As a Greek person. Yes. I see. Um, now, I also read that you did some help with the financing, like you did some humanitarian work for the mm. uh, the Greek resistance, the Greek independence movement. Yes, I uh, was an expert at transferring funds by this point, and okay. though I had amassed immense debts across the continent, um, I was able to transfer these debts and... Uh, well, it's actually why Greece um, is currently can, is currently in amazing <laughs> dire straits because I, I financed an entire revolution uh, via funds that I did not have. Oh. Um, so uh, fast forward a little while, Greece is in the hole. And I, this is something that I do have regrets about because I, though my intentions were in the right place, I probably should have been upfront with them saying that, yes, I'm doing great great things for this country, but this money is not actually mine. But the children were so happy. I was buying them little gyro sandwiches and they, they, <laughs> they were loving and they, the tzatziki sauce was all over their hands. And I love say, Thank tzatziki. you. Thank you, Lord Byron. And I'd say, Are you go run, little children, run into the new free Greece that I have financed for you. And they say, we love you, Lord Byron. We never want you to leave. And I say, I never want you. To, I never want to leave you, little beautiful children. And they would laugh and they would hug my knees and and run around and play their soccer ball. <laughs> play their soccer ball. Yes. Wow. I mean, I'm glad that you got to have that positive experience because you died shortly thereafter, of Me course. Me too, yes. Um, now, we, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up. We've got mm -hmm. uh, we got very little time. Mm -hmm. uh, but just want to say, you know, what a pleasure it was to have the two of you on the show. The pleasure was mine. And um, I'm just so happy that you, Wes Craven, eventually left academia. And, Finally, um, yes. <laughs> and early on in my life. moved on into making these wonderful horror films that, that delighted and terrified, uh, you know, so many people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, would you care to comment at all very quickly? We don't mm -hmm. have a lot of time. Yes. Very quickly about the second Nightmare on Elm Street film that oh. has sort of become an icon of, of, gay, of the gay sure. community. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, and this isn't me trying to be homophobic, but mm -hmm. I had nothing to do with that film. Of course. Which yeah. is actually kind of an interesting thing, mm -hmm. uh, is that uh, I didn't know that they were making a second film. Oh, yeah. I didn't know and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, it was there were movie posters for it. Mm. And I had not been contacted. You know, that and might in itself just be a um, be, be an analogy for, you know, a person discovering that they're homosexual, you know, it just kind of like happens out of nowhere. You're like, oh, oh nobody gosh, tells you this thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I, I just it's how I found out <laughs> if I if I had made the film, uh, despite the fact that happily married mm -hmm. with children, I, I would have made it gayer. Really? I just would have gone full gay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, uh, that is all the time we have for famous dead people. And unfortunately, there's so many, so many more poems, so many more Freddy movies that we didn't get to see uh, <sighs> or because, talk about. or talk about yeah. just because of the industry, you know. Yes. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Lord Byron and Wes Craven, for joining me in the studio today. Thank you. Uh, yes. I do always have one final question. Uh, do either of you have any shows or Twitter accounts that you're big fans of that you want people to check out, Wes Craven? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a young author named Louis Perlman who's writing Archie comic stories for Yarn which is an app that you can download. And uh, there's one that's coming out soon that basically owes everything to me Ooh. that is called uh, Riverdale Worst Nightmare. 
<gasps> in which the Archie characters are stalked by a monster in their dreams. Check out the Archie comics by Louis Perlman. Yeah. And uh, Lord Byron, anything you want to tell people about? Sure. There is a lovely show called The Friday Night Show at the Magnet Theater that is always very fun. And uh, a website called willjacobsloveslyou.com. It's a delightful man. Check that out. Check out my website, jaredberenstein.com. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Pleasant dreams. Bye. Hello. I'm Wes Craven. Wes Craven. This is how I'm going to sound when I'm speaking like Wes. All right. And the way he sort of sounded. Okay. And uh, Will? Hello. All right. Let me get a little more. Hello. Okay. And... It is I, Wes. Uh, it is Lord... I, Wes Craven. It <laughs> no, is I'm Lord Wes Craven. Byron. Okay. Lord yes. Byron. Let's yeah. give this a listen. And... Uh, hello. I'm Lord Byron. Mm-hmm. A fancy man. <laughs> <laughs>